It's that time. Everything and anything basketball. Presented by The Outrage. With Cajun Thierry Castle and host Spencer Byers. This is Polar Opposites. Welcome everyone back again. Polar Opposites. Spencer Byers, Cajun Theru, Thanny Castle. A lot of stuff's happened as the first set of games have just finished out of the All-Star break. But going back to the All-Star break, one more firing happened. The Nets fired Jacques Vaughn as their head coach. They announced Kevin Ollie will be the interim bench boss, former UConn Huskies head coach who won a national championship back in 2014 as their head coach. Mm-hmm. Has had third or he played 13 years in the NBA and has been part of NBA coaching staffs for a while. And again, will now be the interim head coach of the Brooklyn Nets as Jacques Vaughn has been fired in the middle of his second season after he took over midseason for Steve, uh, Nash. Steve Nash last year and then was also interim coach when Kenny Atkins was fired back in 2020. So he's been with the Nets organization for a while, no longer. And they bring in Kevin Ollie. I believe in his first game, they took a good shellacking from the uh, Toronto Raptors. Mm. They did down in Toronto, 121-93. But I guess the Nets had a little more expectation cage than where they are right now, just on the outside looking in of the play-in. But I don't necessarily think this is a fair firing on Jacques Vaughn. I don't necessarily think it's his fault that it suck. I mean, it also it also does not help that they have been six and now nineteen in their last twenty five games. So you're right, the Nets are doo doo, they're garbage. Um. They kind of played 500 basketball to start off the season, but I think this is screaming, we need a new voice. And it seemed like, based off of this firing, that Jacques Vaughn lost the locker room. And like his message was falling on deaf ears. And if that's And if that was the case, can't say I blame the Brooklyn Nets for firing him because you need a voice in which people can navigate around and respect. And if when you're with an organization for so long, when you've seen a coach here for so long, sooner or later, you get comfortable. Players get comfortable. And I'm not saying that's on Jacques, Jacques Vaughn. But I think a new I think a fresh voice needed to be in Brooklyn. And is Kevin Ollie that guy? Or do they go elsewhere and search? I mean, Adrian Griffin's on his couch right now making a ridiculous amount of money. And yeah, I know he's a rookie head coach, but but there's less he's got a, pressure. He's got a pretty in, good. He's got a pretty good win percentage. He's got a pretty good winning percentage as a rookie head coach. 
I don't know if he wants to ruin that by going to Brooklyn. That's a fair point. But I can't think of anyone off the top of my head they would be in for. Glenn Rivers they would have been coaching that Brooklyn team. You would have thought that it would have fit Doc Rivers' MO of a team that, you know, could use a, a fresh voice and somebody that could, you know, be kind of steer the ship in the right direction. You know, instead of going to Milwaukee where the ship was already going the right direction and now it's kind of gone a little off course. Yep. But I got to be honest, Cage, looking at the Brooklyn roster, they kind of suck. Like, I'm not sure I like the Brooklyn roster. Like, obviously, Mikhail Bridges and Cam Thomas, but, like, Nick Claxton, uh, Finney Smith, Cam Johnson, Lonnie Walker, Dennis Smith Jr., Ben Simmons, obviously. Ben you know, Dennis Schroeder. You know, like, Schroeder's on the team. Um, you also got Keon Johnson, that f- former freak who now has kind of fallen out of favor as now a 22-year-old, formerly a 19-year-old when he came in the NBA as a rookie, one of the younger guys under the draft. You know, it just, you know, I, I'm not sure I like the firing, but I'm also not a Nets fan, so I don't watch all their games. I don't know what they look like, but I don't think it's necessarily his fault that the team has just not been what the Nets maybe thought they could be preseason. Mm. I think you and I would have both had them in around the play-in. Yeah. Just about. Just about. But we'll move off of the uh, the not very good Brooklyn Nets and move on to a player that may have just ended the hopes of a, the greatest WNBA draft ever. Paige Beckers of the UConn Huskies has officially decided to come back. She will not be declaring for the WNBA draft this coming summer, which means she will most likely go as the first overall pick next year. And she basically guarantees that Caitlin Clark will be the number one pick in this year's WNBA draft, that there was any conversation between Beckers and Clark going into this year's draft. Well, unless some, uh, unless somebody's brain dead in that fever organization. She'll go number one. Caitlin Clark will go number one. That that I would put money on right now that she goes number one, especially now that Beckers has said, I'm staying back because I don't think they're – because they already got uh, Boston from uh, U, uh, South Carolina last year. So they don't need another big. They could use a guard, obviously, take Caitlin Clark, especially now that Beckers is gone because the next two picks are probably going to be Cameron Brink out of Stanford, and then three, you can go a lot of ways. A lot mm-hmm. of ways, which is, again, why this draft is just so tantalizing when it comes from the WNBA perspective. And when it comes to the women's NCAA brackets, when we do eventually get to the March Madness, which is coming up in very short succession, very short succession. Sure. But it'll be interesting to see how the draft shakes out once Caitlin Clark becomes the number one pick. But. UConn now has kind of two kicks to the can here with the national championship hope. Obviously, with all the injury if they dealt with the last two years, you got to wonder if this year may end up being a wash. But with that being said, they may have a chance with Beckers coming back. And I think, and I think that's also a big part in why Beckers came back. There's unfinished business. 
That's kind of the gold standard at UConn with all the great players they put into the, the WNBA. Is they mm-hmm. want to win a national championship every year. And when they don't, it kind of feels like a lost season. Yeah. And considering that Beckers has a lot of Beckers' time at UConn has been marred with injury. That it has. So something feels like the, this is unfinished business for Paige Beckers, and if that's the reason, I'm all for her coming back. And I hope it ends with the title. I just hope it ends with health because, again, exactly. as you mentioned, Kate, she's been, she has been, I can't say injury prone, but definitely has dealt with some unsavory injuries that have costed her at least two seasons in the end. Um, we didn't put this in the doc, but I remembered it, so I did run quickly to the article, Cage. A little more unsavory, so I won't we won't talk about it. I'll more just say that we've seen it and we know it exists. The uh, Yukon Cornhuskers, or Leighton, pardon me, the Nebraska Cornhuskers have been uh, sued, basically. So, to, to explain, Ashley Scoggin, who is a former NCAA player for the Cornhuskers women's program, she alleges that assistant coach, or she is she alleges, and I should make sure I say this, that head coach Amy Williams and athletic director Trev Alberts did not take appropriate action when her sexual relationship with an assistant coach became widely known. So she alleges in a civil lawsuit that Chuck Love, the assistant in question, uh, took a special interest in her and their relationship eventually turned sexual and caused Scoggin to fear retaliation if she refused to engage in it. And uh, I read the whole article, Cage. She played two seasons with Nebraska. She was dismissed from the team on the same day that Mr. Assistant Coach Love was suspended with pay in February of 2022. Love resigned three months later. Scoggin now transferred to UNLV down there in Las Vegas. Um, the exact accusations against athletic director Williams or coach Williams and athletic director Alberts, they are accused of not settling or not setting rules, trainings, training and or policies prohibiting staff members from having sexual relationships with athletes. The lawsuit alleging that the lack of safeguards was so reckless that misconduct involving sexual misconduct by coaches was inevitable as of September 2021. And this is all according to the lawsuit case. So I'm going to read this from the AP article. Okay, so this is from the AP article according to the lawsuit. Scoggin had an internship in the athletic department in the summer of 2021. And she expressed interest in becoming a coach someday. Love invited Scoggin to work at a small table in his office, and she accepted. Love, who was married, asked Scoggin personal questions, including the type of alcohol she preferred, and Love began asking her to go out for drinks with him. Scoggin declined several invitations for eventually accepting one. One or a few days later, they met late, late at night in a Costco parking lot where Love kissed her and asked, have you ever done anything with a coach before? The interaction left Scoggin feeling confused and trapped because it now it was now undeniable that Love wanted a sexual relationship. Once the relationship turned sexual, Love expected Scoggin to be available and willing whenever he wanted to have, insert word here, and included summoning her to his hotel room when the team traveled for away games. 
On a night before a game at Penn State in February 2022, team members and practice players created a ruse to confirm and, vid- and videotape Scoggins' presence in Love's hotel room. A male practice player falsely represented himself to the desk clerk as Love to uh, obtain a duplicate room key. Two, t- two team members confronted Scoggin in Love's room. They reported their feel, uh, reported their feelings and video to uh, the video to Williams. Williams cast Ashley in the role of a seducer and a liar. The lawsuit said she re- allowed the players to berate and accuse Ashley for hours. She did not redirect or counsel the players that they that what they may have seen may be the result of a abuse of power by her associate head coach. Upon returning to Lincoln, which is where Nebraska play, Scoggin was not informed of her rights under title, I think that's Roman numeral number six. And in the meeting in the, in the meeting with Williams and other members of the administration, she was told she was off the team, according to the complaint. Scoggin's dismissal and love suspension were reported simultaneously by the media. And that's where I'm going to stop reading that. So, uh, Cage, I know you didn't get a chance. I don't think really look through this, but uh, I had a chance to read through this on my break. And uh, it was, if everything that Miss Scoggin, again, playing currently at UNLV after being dismissed from Nebraska, is saying is true, then Nebraska's got a massive black eye going down there in Lincoln. Because this is stuff that just can't happen on either side of the NCAA bracket, but especially on the women's side. And there's more to this, too. There's more to this, too, as I'm, like, going through articles as well. Um, she also lost her housing because she shared an apartment with a roommate. She lost access to physical therapy that she had been receiving, like, as a member of the basketball team. Um, and she ended up transferring to UNLV for her senior season. Um, but in the process of transferring to that program, access to her game film was disabled. So if this is true, if it comes down to light that this is what happened, because all of this is still within, uh, it, it, all of this is a lawsuit. And it's just a part of a lawsuit. So the the courts will decide how much of this has validity and how much of this is is not true or is not provable. If this is true, this screams avoiding scandal and embarrassment and not protecting their student athlete. And you know how I feel about athletes. I feel I feel like I, I'm more on the side of the players than I am on the system. I am with the system. This isn't. This would be infuriating. I mean, it definitely makes a passive black eye down there for UConn, or for pardon me, for Nebraska. And. It definitely is something that we're going to let the courts decide on how much they can prove and how much they can't, but it is a part of a civil suit. We'll see if it does get settled by Nebraska or if it does get taken to court. And also, and what shakes out of that? Also, 
How was Scoggin blamed for being a seducer and a liar? Chuck Love was married. That he was. Chuck Love was a married man. And it seemed like it was a player that got the worst of the deal. That she did. And again, like, now yeah. she's with the now she's with UNLV, so no longer a part of the program after being dismissed. And um, so we'll see how the civil courts handle that dispute. Now, the NCAA handles that dispute because I assume they will also have their own investigation and they will have their own decision-making on what they're going to do with the information and their investigation and what they have um, come up with. So we will move off of the NCAA. Very heavy topic, I know, and I did kind of just throw it at Cajun into his lap, but it was something I, I read while I was on break at work. It was something that I, I went through. I read the whole thing, and uh, I, I knew about. And I wasn't really thinking about it until I went over to you know the articles, and I was just scrolling down, and I saw it again and went, we probably should talk about it. We definitely should mention it because it is a rather big story. Mm. And we don't. I don't really know how many people are going to be talking about it. But um, again, it is just all allegation. It's all in civil sort, uh, civil suit. So I'm not necessarily saying that any of this necessarily happened, but it is still in an accusation, and it has been now presented to you as the lawsuit has been presented to the courts. So we will now move off of the Nebraska Cornhuskers, and we'll move to uh, Clay Thompson, who will be coming off the bench for the foreseeable future with the Golden State Warriors, probably for the best is. Jonathan Kaminga's looked really good for them, as well as Brandon Podzimski. Yes. And uh, another thing I want to mention, Cage, because I really don't want to talk about Clay, because we've, we've spoken a lot about the Warriors and their their inconsistencies and, and them not looking like the championship team we're used to them looking like. But yep. Steph Curry recently came out and said during, I believe, the All-Star break, that he's 100% sure that himself... Clay Thompson and Draymond Green will all retire as Warriors in cage. I'll be honest, I feel like that is almost guaranteed to not come true. Almost, unless those guys take pay cuts, I can almost guarantee that's not going to happen. They won't be able to afford them. Mm. I don't think if they want to be a championship contending team, I just don't see it. What do you think? Well, I'm pretty sure Steph Curry is aware of how pay is going to be a thing. And if you say you're 100% sure, you, you like, yeah, I know something. Seems like one of Clay, it seems like based off of what he said, one of Clay or Draymond might take a pay cut. And part of me is thinking it could be, it could be Clay. Given that he's had a ton of, given that the season's kind of been like a little bit of a struggle for him. But you are right in the sense that it won't happen if they want to get paid because they can't afford all three. 
unless they're willing to pay a crazy luxury tax. Um, it might happen. It might happen. Um, we haven't really seen a dynasty like this in like the Warriors since, and like three guys playing together for like a long amount of time since the Spurs with Manu Ginobili, Tony Parker, and Tim Duncan. So it'd only be right if they all retired as Warriors because I'm not going to lie. Now I just remember, remember like Tony Parker spent his last season as a member of the Charlotte Hornets and that didn't, that, that don't feel right. You almost don't remember it, to be honest. Almost. Keyword almost. But. I believe it. I think I, I think they could like if he's saying if he's saying that off the bat, one of them's taking a pay cut. And it ain't Steph. But yeah, they've earned the opportunity to retire as war as warriors for the amount of blood, sweat, and tears they've put into Uh, into the into that franchise um with curry his status as a warrior was in question given that he was dealing with so many ankle injuries um they had to choose between steph curry and monte ellis at one point and they chose curry and it worked out great for them Draymond green was a second round pick as much as its antics are on full display at times He's made him. He's made a name for himself, like considering where he started off, um, being drafted in the second round out of Michigan, Michigan State, and then even Clay Thompson, Harrison Barnes was the bigger name coming out of North Carolina, being drafted seventh overall, but it was Clay that overtook overtook him and became the second option to Steph Curry before Kevin Durant came in. So all three of these guys came a long way. And it's only right that they retire as Warriors. And Curry saying that has to hold some merit, especially if he said 100%. Because that cannot be thrown around lightly. No, it can't be. So it'd be interesting to see if the Warriors do try to keep those three guys together. I think it's inevitable they're not going to be able to. But we'll have to see on if that ends up becoming the case or if they'll be able to find a way to keep those three guys get together and keep some of their younger guys, especially like Kaminga, happy and paid. Mm-hmm. I think will that be cause the problem. But we will not move off of the Warriors and move to another uh, move to another NBA topic with the suspension of Isaiah Stewart. We spoke about the fight. We spoke about the uh, altercation that allegedly happened. He's been yep. suspended three games for the alleged. I'll say alleged. I've never seen the video. The alleged altercation 
of um, is it Drew Eubanks? Yep. I can't remember his first. I keep thinking of uh, the boxer, Chris Eubanks. But Drew Eubanks of the uh, Phoenix Suns, still, right? Yep. I was going to say, I thought it was Phoenix. But, uh, you know, massive for Isaiah Stewart because, again, we saw what happened with him and LeBron when he left the floor bloody. He's kind of seen as a rough-and-tumble guy. And then he gets an altercation before the game in a game that neither of those two, two guys played in. I mean, it just seems a little fishy. Nothing's come out about why the fight still happened that I know of, Cage. But do you, do you think the three-game suspension was fair? I'm surprised it wasn't longer. Given that he got arrested, now the charges did get dropped. But granted, the charges got dropped. But the fact that it was just three games suggested... Maybe there wasn't much to it as it was suggested coming out, like coming out of initial reports. Because something like that, like something like that, which involved an arrest, you would think would involve more than a three game suspension. That kind of says a lot about how that altercation went down and that wasn't really. It wasn't really as bad as it seemed at the time. Maybe not, but still interesting that, you know, you only got the three games. Mm -hmm. But uh, well, we'll move off of the suspension, because just mentioning that Isaiah Stewart did get suspended for his altercation. Well, now move on to... Nikola Jokic. The he great makes Nikola history. Jokic. He makes history again. First player in 40 years to post 20 points, 15 rebounds, and 15 assists while shooting 100% from the floor. His fourth, or he's fourth ever with triple-double versus every team. So he's had a triple-double with against every single team, but of course the team he plays for in the Denver Nuggets. Of course. So Nikola Jokic again just showing how different he is as an NBA center compared to everybody else. Mm-hmm. Oh man, um, best center in the league. Uh, don't at me, Sixers fans. Do at me, Sixers fans. Try me. Actually, yeah, you know what. I'm with you there. At me. At me, Sixers. At me, Sixers fans. Win a second round. At me, Sixers fans. At me. We we want the smoke. We want the smoke. All the smoke. We we, we are not, you know, we're we're not the Bucks. We want the smoke. No smoke pack. No smoke pack. We we want the smoke smoke from the fans of the foul merchant. Yeah. The guy who sits out half the season. Yeah, I I want smoke from that team. I mean, in fairness, I mean, mean in fairness, he he does deal with a lot of injuries. My back. My knee, ah, my neck, ah, my ankle. Give me a break. Give me a break. I, I just, cause, just because his ligaments, just because ligaments are made with tissue paper and his bones are made of made ma- made of uh, soft plastic, does not change well, the fact. Yeah, but he's also injury prone. Like his first two seasons, he didn't even play. 
Mm, all, I, all I see is excuses, Cage. All I see is excuses. Anyway, continue about Nikola Jokic, the best player in the NBA. Um, he controls the game at his own. <clears throat> he can just controls the game at his own pace. And people forget was a second round pick ten seasons ago. Controls the game at his own pace, can do it all, pass, shoot, um, scoring the inside, rebound the basketball. Is a better defender than people give him credit for. Um, and is one of those tumble superstars. And the way he makes the game look so easy is scary. It's absolutely scary with how he makes the game look a hell of like a hell of a lot easier for not only his teammates but for himself. And it's a thing of beauty to watch. Like you talk about the star power of the Clippers. Then the then then there's uh, or the Lakers or the Suns, obviously you got the Bucks and Sixers there. But it was Denver that won the title last year, and he was at the forefront of it, the driving force behind it. And I guess in my opinion, I gotta I gotta also not discount the star power of the Celtics. Um, but in my opinion. They could very well they could very well repeat again. And he's the reason behind it. He's the reason behind it. He's in a way him. Yeah, say the foul merchant and bead. Giannis in a way they brought the big man back. After it was kind of going by the wayside in terms of the guards and the wings. Now guys like Jokic are bringing the dominating big man back into the game. That they are, and they've done a really good job at it because, again, now you've got guys like Chet Holmgren and Victor Ramanyama who will move that, you know, that baton forward of big men still having a very massive role in the way teams are built. Mm -hmm. Even though, obviously, you still need the spacers, which are normally going to be guards. Normally going to be guards. Yep. Now, we've covered a lot of stuff, Cage, in this show. we got one more thing to cover. But before we move off of technically the NBA, and I know you've only got a couple, so hopefully by the time I'm done this read, you'll have a chance to finish off. Sports betting is... Rapidly risen in popularity. I'd like to connect you with all of the opportunities to get started or get ahead. Having multiple sportsbook accounts is the most simple way to maximize your profits, and there has never been a better time than starting up than signing up right now. When you visit our page, signupexpert.com slash the outrage, be in the description, you'll be connected to all the sportsbooks in your region, along with reviews of each platform and their unique benefits. 
All of these sports books have valuable sign-up offers for new users. When you register through our link, you will automatically receive the top offer from each, from all of them, from every single one. When you use multiple sports books, you ensure that you always have access to the best available odds, which is key to successful sports betting, kind of like the guy sitting across from me. If you want to take advantage of these benefits and support out to support us, please consider signing up using our link, signupexpert.com slash the outrage. If you plan to use any sports books, gamble responsibly, gamble when you are of age and where, wherever you are in the world, all of that good stuff, all of that good stuff. So, Cajun, I know you had one. Do you have any more you'd like us to give us? So, I have. You got I a have, couple more? I have a couple more now. As you can hear him rapidly trying to uh, write down on his keyboard. Yeah, and you have a loud keyboard, Cage. We got to get you a, silent, a more silent keyboard. God, your neighbors can hear that. They, they wake up to that at like 3 o'clock in the morning here. Sounds sounds like it sounds like you're using a uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, a typewriter. A typewriter. A kid in my high school actually had one. Actually oh, had a man. typewriter and it actually worked. It was kind of cool. But yeah, it literally sounds like you have a typewriter. Well, here, all I'm gonna hear is, you know, is, is, as you as you have to reset it, you know. Oh, out of paper. Thankfully, I don't have to do it with that. Yeah. Okay. They're old head with your sin number back in the single digits. Anyway, so. What are your player props for the for the day for the day today, Cage? Nah, I got a couple got? of turnovers ones. Of course you do. When don't you? When don't you? Um, I have Alperin Shingun over two and a half turnovers against the Suns. That's probably fair. I have uh, Rowan Barrett Jr. AKA RJ Barrett. Yeah, in case you don't know R.J. Barrett. Over two and a half turnovers against the Hawks. And then one of my favorite players in the NBA. Victor Wembenyama over two and a half blocks against the Lakers. Yeah, that's almost a guarantee, you think. Especially if LeBron's not playing. He didn't play last night. I mean, even if LeBron does play, I guarantee you Wemby will get the better of him once or twice. Probably. You know what? That's honestly fair. And then AD will put him in a poster, and that's what's going to get put on uh, every social media, so it's okay. And Wemby will will get him too. Is there anything else you want to mention there, Cage, with your bets? I think that's the three that I kind of looked at it, and I'm like, I'm not really a fan of these. Because there's a there's a lot of games in which could lead to a lot of blowouts, so I'm kind of steering clear of it unless it's maybe first quarters. I will say I will say the one game that money line wise could be very interesting. Hornets Warriors. You like now, the Hornets? Yeah, the Hornets. Uh, I'm not sure you could pay me to bet on the Hornets. I mean, ever since they got Trey Mann, Grant Williams, and Misich, I'm not even going to bother to try to pronounce his his first name. They've won four in a row. 
They just beat the Jazz yesterday. So their last four games. They beat the Grizzlies. They beat the Pacers. They beat the Hawks. And now the Jazz. And they're going up against a, a Warriors team on the second night of a back-to-back. You would think maybe one or two guys might rest. At plus 625 odds. It may not be a bad idea to throw maybe 10 or 20 on that. Well, there you go. So alleged money line on the Hornets. And then you liked uh, Wemby on blocks. You liked RJ on block or for turnovers, pardon me. And then uh, Sangoon on turnovers as well tonight. Yep. So we'll see if Kijan makes any money tonight when we take a little look at that next Monday. But we will end with this one. And we've got a little light this week at Kijan. It was kind of a surprise. We usually don't go light. Usually we go well over. Because I'd say I try to aim for the episodes between between. Be between around 45 minutes to an hour. Some Usually we go over that because Cajun likes to splutter his way through everything. As we know, Cage. As we know. So uh, we'll end with this. And this might take us a little over, but we'll see how long it takes us. AI, Allen Iverson, says he would average 43 points a game in today's day and age. And I know you and I spoke a little bit about it before, and you're on you're pro AI. I'm technically anti-AI in this conversation. I just don't think that's true. I think 38 is yeah, that that's I think that's sustainable. I don't think 43 is sustainable. I don't. I agree, you know, that that his era was way more physical, was way more demanding. But with the way he didn't like to practice and the way he didn't like to do so many things. And not play defense, which no one does anymore. So I guess that would also fit in. I, I just mean, he was don't a better, see... He's a better defender than some of this, some of these cats in the NBA right now. I, I would never, I would never even argue that. But I just don't think his jump shooting is good enough to say that he would be, he would be a forty-three a game player. I don't. And yeah, that sounds blasphemous, and I don't really care. But I just don't think his jump shooting is good enough. Like if he was T Mac. Yeah, okay. If he was Kobe in his prime, yeah, okay. If it was Melo in his prime with the Nuggets or early Knicks, okay, probably. Just because of their three-level scoring and then their game inside, I can see it. But AI, I can't see it. I can't see it. Just because, again, I just don't see where all those points are coming from. I don't. And I know you're pro, so go ahead with why you think AI would average 43 a game in today's day and age. Because, one, he's not the most efficient shooter. Like, that's that's an obvious one. But he can heat it up with the best of them. And there's a reason why people have kind of called him pound by pound the best player in NBA history. That man can flat out score.
and granted with the way he played through injuries and his stamina and the fact that he can play 45 minutes a game maybe the only reason why maybe you could argue he won't average 43 a game is he won't be playing as many minutes but if he's playing that many minutes yes because he's gonna put up a lot of shots he's gonna put up a lot of shots and let's just say this the NBA plays defense. This era of this era of basketball, this era of the NBA does not play a lot of defense. And it's more favored towards the offensive player. So if somebody like AI could average like almost 33 a game in an era that was more suited to defense. I can't see why he can't. I I don't see why he can't do it. I don't see why he can't do it in this era. I just don't. I just don't see it. Like I just don't see a world where somebody averages forty three a game today. I just don't see it. Like we talk about a world average fifty a game and had the hundred point game and everyone likes to. And I'll be honest, Cage. I mean, this this may divulge a little bit because I am getting really aggravated about going on social media that I do hate openly going on social media. I still do it because I am, you know, 21 turning 22 in a couple months. So yeah. I'm in the generation of going on social media regularly, but I hate it at mm-hmm. times. I'll say especially because people like to rip down people's legacies and talk about how, well, they, they're not that good because, and then insert some, I'll say propaganda, but some sort of argument against it. Like I've seen a lot of Wilt Chamberlain hate recently, and I don't know why, He's long gone, RIP to the great Will Chamberlain. But I don't understand it, Cage. Why do we, as ladies, especially as a media, but as a as an NBA scope, take away from players' legacy because of who they played against? Well, wait, Chamberlain yeah. played against Plumbers. A, that's not true because he played against Bill Russell, who we do see as a great all-time because he won 11 championships. A. Elgin Baylor. And B, and I'll make sure again, the B is the important part. You're taking away from him because of the competition he played against, which is out of his control. So you're telling me he was so good that you're telling me that things he can't control are what you think are against him. If you want to say the lack of championships goes against him, I won't argue with you. I think you're wrong, but I won't argue with you. But if your argument is because of the era he played in that takes away from his greatness, then there's nothing to talk about. Because mm-hmm. that, in my opinion, that means Jordan can't be the greatest. Because you can't tell me the, that the NBA in the 80s was the best it ever got. The NBA now is so much better, player-wise. Yes, the strategy I don't think is as good, and the coaching isn't as good. But the players, the individual players, are exponentially better. The average bench player today would give it to just about any bench player in the 80s and 90s. You talk mm-hmm. about like Bruce Brown reigning six man of the year, Malcolm Brogdon, Malcolm Brogdon, pardon me. They wouldn't just give it to anybody in the 80s and 90s on off the bench. Mm-hmm. Most of the starters can't shoot, can't score. Just knew how to play defense, which ironically usually was just was hit them. Yep. Like, I'm not saying that these players aren't great. But if you're going to try to rip down players' uh, uh, careers with criteria that damages players you like, 
and then your argument is just, well, that doesn't count, then there's nothing we need to talk about. Because I don't think AI averages 43, because I don't think anyone would average 43. I just don't think the way that's, I don't, just <coughs> don't think that is the way the game is. I don't think there's enough time to score 43 every single game. And you're going to have off nights. AI had off nights. You know how good you got to be? How many points you have to score to average 43 a game? I think 38 is obtainable. I think 36 is very obtainable. Doncic is at 34 right now. I think Harden averaged 36 or 37 like in 2019. Yeah, when he when he won the MVP or didn't get it or was really close. Mm-hmm. Like that was... is that is a obtainable and sustainable average. 43 is not. 43 is too many to try to sustain, try to average. You have to be really consistent. I don't think AI is that consistent to average 43 a game. And yes, I know he averaged 30 a game in his career. And yes, he has a career average of 26 points per game. But I don't think he as an individual is consistent enough to average 43. I think Kobe is. I think T-Mac is. If you're taking a guy who played in the physical era to come to today's game and drop them in at their prime, I think they could. I think prime AI has a shot. I think he gets to 38. He may get to 39 or 40, but I don't think he gets gets above 40. I think 40 is way too high of a benchmark to get over. I don't think we ever see somebody average 40, to be honest. Because they have to be so good and so consistent that it's going to be nigh impossible to obtain. Like, it is, it's just, it's going to be so hard to find a guy who can average 40 every single night. Every single night. All right, so let me ask you this then. Which player right now do you think has a shot of Getting to 40. A legitimate. Well, I think I'd be remiss without mentioning Wembenyama. Or Chet. But I would say Wembenyama more likely. Um, I don't think Embiid will do it because of injury. But I feel like Embiid could. Mm-hmm. Especially if he stopped trying to shoot jump shots. Um... I think Doncic has a great chance. I think Shea's got a good chance. Um, I think that's basically it, though. Like, once you get by Doncic and Shea, and then the young guys that could do it, and probably Embiid, Jokic will never do it because Jokic doesn't shoot the ball that much. Mm-hmm. As much as I think he could. Um, he could if he wants see, to. That's what I mean. Like, I don't think he ever will because he never he'll never shoot enough. But... I do think Jokic could average 30 points a game. I think Jokic decides and chooses not to shoot enough to average that many points per game. But um, I don't really think anybody else, like, I don't think Giannis could do it. I don't think D. Mitchell could do it. I don't think Curry could do it right now. If you want to say Curry of 2017 or 2018 or 2019, probably. But I don't, mm-hmm. think, I don't think right now he could. Um, and Yeah, I love Jason Tatum. I don't think he gets to 40. I think if, if you gave Kevin Durant enough shots, Kevin Durant could do it. But I don't think Kevin Durant's ever going to get that many shots because he plays for a team at this point every year that's got two other stars that needs mm-hmm. to get their looks. Yep. Like, I also put it, put it this way. Think about it. You're going to need a, a player to play on a team that sucks so bad that they, they, that they take enough shots to average 40 a game. And then a team that is good enough to keep them in the game and not being blown out by 40 in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Right? So you need a team 
that's basically like Kawhi with the Raptors when they won the championship. You need a team that has no other stars but is good enough to win to be able to get a guy average 40. Yeah. And I like obviously the Suns aren't that, the, the Mavs aren't that. I wouldn't say OKC is definitely not that. I don't think the Sixers are that. Especially with Maxi being a better player. Like, I don't, again, I don't see a player hitting 40 a game, but if there was a guy to do it, I think Luke is the guy. Mm. He would be like the number one guy in my mind. If I thought somebody would hit 40, it'd be him. Like, if somebody ever hits 36 to 38 points a game, a points per game, it'd be him. I don't think anybody else will get that mark. I think Shea may get close. I think Wemby may get close. I think Chet may get close. But I don't like any one of those guys. And ironically, Shea and Chet will take away from their own stats. Yeah. As they play on the same team. So I just don't see it, Cage. I, I don't see it. And and maybe that's just me. Maybe I'm the one off the banana boat with that. But I just don't see a player averaging 40 a game at any point. I think it'll happen at some point. I just don't know who it'll be. Well, God, it could be a high schooler right now at that point. Like, yeah. is, it, is it Cooper Flag? You know, he's playing, I don't even think, playing right now in high school. Like, it could be somebody like that. And it's going to not, nothing to do with, you know, not thinking that I don't think somebody's talented enough to. I think all these guys are talented enough to. It's that I just don't think there's enough time in the game and a consistent enough guy to be able to do it. Because I think it's just a consistency cage. Think about how many points you have to score to offset an 18 or 22.9 to be able to average 43 a game. Mm. Like, to score 43 in a game is not hard. To average 43 a game? To average 43 a game. That means on your... On your bad nights when you average 18 or 20 or 22 points in a game, you have to have like a 60-point night to offset those. Right. 55, 60, 65. You know how hard that is? Mm-hmm. Especially in a league where everyone's resting. Nobody really, like, I'll say nobody wants to play, but nobody like nobody likes to play back-to-backs and, and all of that all of that around the scope. Like, I just, I don't, I just don't see it. And I hope somebody does it. I hope somebody has a great season like that and can do it consistently, night in, night out. But it's going to take a very special player to do it, and maybe that's where your guy, Wemanyama, comes into play. But it's just going to be really hard to convince me that a guy can average that many in a game. Because mm-hmm. it does just take a level of consistency that we've probably never seen before. And maybe if I was old enough to see Wilt Chamberlain, I'd say anybody other than Wilt Chamberlain who averaged 50 a game a couple of times. But that would be it. He's the only guy to compare that to, though. Like, really? He's, like, the only guy you can compare that to. Yeah. So I, I just, I'm not convinced. I'll keep saying it again, Cage. I'm just not convinced. You know what? That's fair. And I guess, Cage, I said all the guys I think could do it. Do you think somebody will hit 40? And if you do, who do you think is the guy to do it? 
I think there's honestly only one guy that I feel like has a shot at doing that, and that's Luca. Not even your guy, Wemby? It's possible, but I'm not going to put, uh, but even I wouldn't put that on him just yet. Fair point. And it's obvious, folks, at how much of a Wemby fan I am. I mean, you put him in his, don't put him in the top 10 centers before he even played an NBA game, for Christ's sake. Yeah, but that also kind of looks brilliant now. I'm not arguing that. I'm just saying you're the idiot who did it. Yeah, and I'm the idiot that is being proven right. I never argued that fact. I just said you're the idiot. (laughs) Oh, man. So you think Don is probably the only guy to be able to do it? Honestly, yeah. Because... As much as I like Shea, that OKC team's going to get deeper. Holmgren's going to take away some of those touches from him. And I think that's going to hurt him. I I can't agree more. Especially because they're going to get another top pick. And yeah, I know this draft doesn't look to be great. There's always, there's always good players in every draft. Yeah, there's sometimes not a lot in every draft. But there's always NBA bodies in, a, in, a, in an NBA draft. Mm-hmm. So somebody's going to be a good player. And obviously it's the team's job to find that guy and be able to pick him and develop him. Yep. So we'll see who those guys are out of, out of this upcoming draft. That he doesn't have a, a Wembenyama, doesn't have a Chet Holmgren, doesn't have a, uh, a Jalen Green or a, a Cade Cunningham, for example. Who are good NBA players. So yep. we'll just have to see on that. But Kate, do you want any, any of this one talk about before we go? I think we rambled on enough about the lack of – well, the interesting scoring in the NBA. Also, shout out to Steph. First franchise – first player in franchise history and Warriors history to reach 6,000 assists. Um, Mickey Mouse franchise, but anyway. Mickey Mouse franchise. That franchise. First player, first player to ever hit. First player to ever hit 6,000 assists. Historic franchise. Better than the Celtics right now. Uh Uh-huh. 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 In what what category? The lost category, yeah, for sure. They're better at losing, Cage, for sure. They're better at losing. Uh, well, the last time these two teams faced off against each other in the finals, it wasn't the Warriors that lost. Last in the finals, in the finals, Cage, the lucky to make the playoffs. Play- playoffs? Talk about, talk about playoffs? Playoffs? Hey, all Golden State needs to do right now is reach the play, uh, is make the playoffs. And and, the, and Celtics fans should be uh, shivering in fear. Maybe. Yeah, maybe, but I honestly, I would hope, say maybe I, not, Cage. I'd say maybe. I honestly not. hope the I honestly hope the Celtics do get a ring soon because it's sickening to me that the last ring that the Celtics had was led by Glenn Rivers. So because of because of your Doc Rivers hate, you want the Celtics to win a championship. That's what I love to see. Yes, your haterade. You've been drinking all that haterade, Cage, and you're really putting it on Doc Rivers. Yes, uh, Glenn. He ain't a doc. Telling he you people, he's no really, doc, he's, he's, 
he, he he's he's got a vendetta, guys. He's got a vendetta. Ladies and gentlemen, he's and got a vendetta. And apparently, oh, maybe this is something we forgot to mention. So does JJ Reddick. Oh yeah, no, we forgot. I'll quickly mention JJ Reddick went on TV and put Doc Rivers on blast. Did not did not give Doc Rivers a good glowing review. And then Pat Beverly put on uh, Twitter responding, saying that he said, you know, the guy that saved your career and you got this to say. And then he responded by saying, I had other starting, uh, I had other four year, same money player option offers from other teams. I chose to go to L.A. So I mean, I'm not sure who's lying and who's not, Gage, but it's spicy, spicy on the on the X. I'm just saying Pat Bev be capping a be capping a lot. Cause he's got his own podcast for a reason, Cage. Well, he's got his own podcast. He's also on the Bucks right now. <laughs> that he is. <laughs> he's uh, also on the Bucks traded. Right now. I don't think he should see I don't think saying is saying the truth or whatnot is going to end well for him. Especially if he's playing on the same team that Glenn Rivers is coaching right now. But hey, that's just me. I can't argue that, Cage. (laughs) Maybe that's just me. Yeah, maybe that's just me. Like uh, definitely. Well, with the with the hater age you son of Doc Rivers, it definitely is just you. But But, uh, anyway. Gotta be honest, Cage. I'm actually looking some of something right now. I have I have the NBA open up on my app. Let me give me one second. I just want to check something. Just want to check something. Do they play tonight? They do all their dogs. I was gonna say whoever whoever the Bucks are playing, bet bet the underdog. But ironically, they are the underdog because guess who they're playing? They're playing the top ranked Western Conference team called the Minnesota Timberwolves. So you can't even bet them to lose because they're projected to lose tonight. What's it? What's so I can't it even on? help Cage up. It's four and a half points in favor of uh, Minnesota. I didn't even check. I didn't. I didn't even check the money line once I saw they were dogs. Sorry. But anyway, Cage. But anyway, we will now move off of the show. We'll move back where we get ready for Monday with some more games and some more bets there from the great Cajun. But for Cajun, Thiru, Thanny Castle, I'm Spencer Byers. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Polar Opposites here on the Outraging.